I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. everybody welcome to a brand new episode of what's going down here wherever you get your podcasts or on patreon you don't need to listen to any ads there's no ads anywhere i do actually uh, first of all I'm, I'm i'm kenny i'm here with finley martin finn how are you today hello I well, well i don't know how i'm doing really so <laughs> good, good and bad good and bad right, well, should we start with the bad let's do a therapy session everything okay well we know what the bad is we'll get to it obviously are you feeling that you're just in a bit of a pitch black situation with nowhere to go. Uh, That's it, yeah. We'll, That's uh, it. we'll get there. But I, I do want to, well, I remember, I do want to mention that, you know, one of our favourite Twitter accounts we interact with all the time on this day, uh, Tim, who runs it, had mentioned, I'm doing this now because I don't want it to happen later, that we were giving him a lovely, uh, you know, shout out last week and it cut to an ad midway through us doing the shout out oh, to him. No. So, I'm just at the beginning of this podcast because, uh, you know, with with Acast, it doesn't the, the ads don't hit for for like 15 minutes or something. So, Tim, here is your shout out on this day in WWE on Twitter. Do go follow them. Sandra's not allowed to follow him because all he does is post obviously spoilers for retro. If Sandra's not managed to see the show in time, so Sandra's not able to follow you, Tim. But the rest of us are. So, um, keep up the good work. Indeed, indeed, keep up the good work. We appreciate um, you. 
We do, we do. Um, so, yeah, lots to talk about the Royal Rumble, but I do just want to ask you, Finn, at the top of the show, I know we've not really covered AEW in a little while, is there anything that's been happening on AEW event and stuff that you've seen that you thought was worth a mention for good or bad reasons? Um, hmm, that guy from Cobra Kai turned up, didn't he? With yeah, his Golden Paul. Globe. Yeah, what's his name? Paul... I'm just going to type Paul Cobra Kai into Google. That'll hopefully give it. Paul Walter Hauser. Oh, he, he looked Rampage. pleased to be there, didn't he? On Rampage, Jan 13th Rampage, he was there. He did an angle. He did? Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and Satnam Singh. They turned up and Jarrett hit him with the guitar. He sold it like a champ. Maybe you know, we, 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 yeah, we, we, so. we could do like a, a David Arquette thing. We could win a title in a tag match. And... Uh, <laughs> well, no, no, we don't need that. Jeff Jarrett's already been in enough of those scenarios in his career. He doesn't need to be in another one. Well, yeah, get 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 big Paul away from Jeff Jarrett. But um, it's always good to see someone who's 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 a wrestling fan who's famous turn up, and especially having just won the Golden Globe. It's a pretty great great get to get somebody who's just won a Golden Globe to come to your show. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he seemed genuinely pleased to be there. And it's always, you know, it doesn't seem as strange anymore um, to see uh, celebrities at wrestling shows who actually want to be there. Um, you know, years ago, it was a rarity, wasn't it? And oftentimes, if they were at a wrestling show, it almost seemed like they were they were either there because they'd been paid to do it. And then when they got there, they instantly regretted it and just went along with it reluctantly. But now it feels like, you know, when celebs are there, it seems like they're genuinely pleased to be involved. So that was really nice to see. Um, I don't know what else has been happening in AEW lately, Kenny, that you've enjoyed. And I'll see if I can contribute to that conversation. Um, I, I haven't, I will say this, I have enjoyed Brian Danielson getting to beat the different people each week. I know it's not, you know, necessarily, you know, they've done it before, we've had the labours of Jericho and all that, but I think that having Danielson in there, defeating these different opponents, Bandido, Timothy Thatcher, like him just getting in there and, and facing these different people every week, I think is a, is a cool concept that it's kind of making Danielson feel like a thing again. You know, for for a while, he just kind of seemed like he was... Uh, part of the furniture, of the yeah. but I like I like the idea. And MGS showing more of a serious streak with uh, Danielson, which I think is a good way to go because MGF kind of has to grow into doing some more serious stuff because you know you can't really do too much comedy at the top. Um, I mean, you can. I mean, The Rock obviously proved you can do that, but I mean, I don't think this is the program for that to happen because it's not a comedy reason that they're feuding. You know, it's a it's a serious reason. So yeah, I, I like that Danielson's getting to 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 shine a little bit so that by the time we get to Revolution, he feels like a top-tier player rather than uh, what he felt like last year. A B-plus player? Is that what you're suggesting? I'm, I'm suggesting he was presented as a B-plus player. I would never suggest that he himself is a B-plus player. But of course, I'm a massive Brian Danielson stan, I think they call it. <laughs> the kids call it. Um, and... Well, we wouldn't know about anything that the kids are saying. We're all we're really old, and well, I'm very grey. And are you grey yet, Kenny? It, you know, there's a lot of things going going against me, but I've not hit the grey yet. But oh, I right. think it's, it'll be on the way. It'll be on the way. I'm sure. Um, but, uh, but you're right about MGF. I mean, 
I mean, he's a bit of a chameleon in that some weeks he's doing this almost like a stand-up routine with the audience. Mm-hmm. And then other weeks he's out there portraying himself as this serious guy. Uh, and I think he does need to change his character because he's, you know, it's 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 actual now. It's not potential. And for so long, MGF was dining out on what he was going to do. And when he was champ, he was going to do this. Well, he's been champ now for... Two and a half months, I think it is. Two and a half months. Yeah, yeah. They want it full gear, or yeah, yeah. Two and a half months. Two and a half months. I think he's had. Is it the one match with Ricky Starks? Is that it? Yeah, that's it. I mean, mean, he's the guy with the best job in pro wrestling, isn't he? MJF. He really does. He really does have. I mean, he makes Brock Lesnar look like a workhorse, doesn't he? Brock Lesnar look like this guy. Like he makes Brock Lesnar look like Ric Flair in 1982 when he was NWA World Champion. He'd have like <laughs> one day off a month if he was lucky, and he'd be doing double shots on weekends. So I mean, yeah, MGF is is yeah, still got the best job in pro wrestling. But yeah, I think there needs to be a shift in his character and the way he approaches things. I mean, I really like the way he was fleeing from Danielson when they set up this you know, labours of Danielson program. And he just kept running away from Danielson and Danielson sort of made a motion as if he was going to try and grab him. And it's like, I mean, Jeff's kind of acting like a second match heel. And I think he still does a lot of that. And I think there needs to be growth and progression in his character. Um, presumably, Danielson is going to win all these matches. He's got Timothy Thatcher tomorrow night on Dynamite. I mean, that's a that's a big match for Thatcher. Um Beat Brian I mean, Cage last week. So he got a win over Brian Cage last week, Danielson. Yes, got the win over Brian Cage. And I noticed as well. Did you notice at the end when they came out for the tribute um, to um, Jay Briscoe that Danielson was wearing, had his arm in the sling? Did you notice that? I didn't. Oh, that's 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 good. Yeah, that's the to the character. Yeah, attention to detail. Kayfabe lives on. So <laughs> he was out there. Um, he was out there because M. Jefford paid Cage to injure Brian in the match. And that was... Yeah, I, I actually, I, I like that story with... Because obviously, you know, with these labours, we know that Danielson's going to win them all. We know this. So I like the element of MJF saying to Cage, I'm not paying you to win. I'm paying you to hurt him. That's what I'm wanting you to do. So I like that as a kind of, you know, a little bit of nuance rather than just, you know... You have to beat him because we kind of know he's not going to beat him. So I mean, that's a it's an old school. I think I think was it Harley Race took out the bounty on Ric Flair. I think that's right. Prior to Starcade eighty three, I think that's right. Can you just look that one up while we're well? I think it was a twenty five thousand dollar bounty, and that was the storyline. And he was paying people to injure Ric Flair before the Starcade '83 main event. I think that was the story. Yes, time. you are. Yeah, you are correct. That is that. Yeah, it was. It was leading up to Star Starcade '83. Uh, the storyline involved Race offering a twenty-five thousand dollar bounty to have Flair taken out. Bob yeah. Junior and Dick Slater attacked Flair at one point, um, and uh, yeah, Flair uh, Flair had to kind of get back at them before. Uh, oh, cause, yeah, because Flair was portrayed as suffering from a serious neck injury and uh, Slater Norton Jr. collected the bounty from Harley Race. So right, okay. He got All the right. money. Yeah, I, I remember reading about it. I mean, obviously, it wasn't much in American wrestling at the time. I've seen parts of it, you know, retrospectively. 
Um, so, I mean, that was, you know, that was a big sack, big story at the time. And that's an old school, you know, territory era storyline. And, you know, these storylines still work. I mean, they're, they're logical and make sense and take this guy out so that I can, you know, he's easier for me to beat in our title match. So it all makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I, I want to see MGF really progress and grow as a world champion because it, his time is now. It's up to him now. It's not. He's not like in this position of, oh, if they only give me the ball, if they only make me champ, then I'll show you how it's done. So you are champ. Show us how it's done. Show us how it's done. Well, listen, um, let's move on to the Royal Rumble, because obviously the Royal Rumble is a huge show, so we have to kind of give it a lot of time. Um, we should mention that uh, Rey Mysterio was injured in his match with Karrion Cross on SmackDown last week, which is why he wasn't in the Rumble match. Um but in terms of the, the Rumble itself, uh, we opened the show with Pat McAfee making his return. Um, he came out, he was going to be at ringside with McAfee, Graves and Cole on commentary. I thought they did a great job as a trio on, on commentary at the Rumble. Can we, just, can we just have them all the time, Finn? Can we just have them on Raw and SmackDown? Just tell well, Kevin to go backstage? I mean, I was, I was highly entertained by them. Uh, but I bet Vince McMahon was going ballistic. <laughs> because they were, it, it was just like banter. It was like large portions of it was like banter in the pub. It was like <laughs> like people who actually are proper pals and are really ribbing each other, and they were doing that really more than talking about the matches. And <laughs> to be honest, I didn't mind because they were so entertaining. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, the commentary at Royal Rumble was so, such a far cry from how it would have been done had Vince McMahon been on the headsets directing the show. Yeah, He would not have tolerated that. I mean, I know Pat McAfee did quite a lot of comedy, but there's no way that him and Corey Graves, and Cole as well, I mean, Cole was just coming out with all sorts of silly comments. There's no way that would have been allowed if Vince was running the show. I mean, I, I was highly ent- entertained by them. I just thought they were hilarious. Uh, it was also very noticeable that Pat had not been keeping up with WWE in his absence. <laughs> he was winging it at times. Hey, we've all done it. We've all we've all winged it at times. Uh, but I mean, you know, none of us are earning as much money as Pat. So I think Pat probably should just put a bit more uh, research in, a bit more research time in, Kenny. Yeah, just uh, you know, get get as a uh, just get watching a couple of episodes of Raw and SmackDown before you come back, skim through it, see as a heel, who's a babyface. Um, yeah. We opened the show, though, with the 30-man Royal Rumble, which I think is the first time ever. Oh, 29-man. 29-man, yeah. Well, at, the, at the time, we thought it was 30. But um, but we, I don't think that's ever happened before, where the men's Royal Rumble has opened a Rumble pay-per-view, to my recollection. Um, uh, no, I don't think it has either. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the Rumble was kind of a, the, the first, you know, Gun, Gunther and Sheamus started it out. Then we had some kind of, you know... Plodding people coming out like Gargano, Xavier, Karrion Cross, The Miz. Uh, but then, you know, we it picked up with kind of Chad Gable, Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley in the middle. Um, the only real surprise of the match was, of course, Booker T. Well, retro surprise was Booker T. But then Logan Paul also came back at number 29 and Cody was number 30. Um, Cody got the win, as was expected. Uh, what did you make of the men's Royal Rumble? It's kind of divided opinion a little bit. Some people really liked it because it was quite different and wasn't really built on nostalgia and surprises. 
Um, but other people were kind of disappointed there wasn't more surprises. Where did how did this match do for you? Um, well, I mean, the complaints, I mean, I've read the complaints and I don't really understand. The only complaint that I've read that is that people wanted more surprises and were disappointed that the person who should have won, won the match. And it's like, have, have these people's thought processes be in, been infiltrated by Vince Russo? I mean, of course, Cody Rose should have won this match. Who else was there? You know, who else was there in this match who could have conceivably won to create a WrestleMania-worthy match with Roman Reigns? I, I can't think of anyone else in this match. I mean, with Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns isn't going to happen again. I mean, Lashley versus Roman Reigns, they could have done it, but did that really feel like a WrestleMania main event? I mean, possibly Seth Rollins, because um, they'd had the match at Royal Rumble last year. Interestingly, they never followed that one up, did they? And that was a DQ finish. Mm-hmm. Wait, let me, let, me, let me ask you a question. Do you think if if they'd done everything that they, that they did here, right, but the yeah. only difference was that they hadn't advertised Cody for a month and had all the video packages. Do you think that would have made any difference to, do you think people would have been more accepting of it because that was, you know, he was the big surprise at the end, or do you think it was it wouldn't have mattered? Was it better to announce him beforehand? I, I mean, I have no idea. You'd have to ask these people personally. I just find the bleating to be rather tedious, tiresome and pathetic. Um, I mean, it's like you give people the the winner that that was logical and which they'd been building to last year and would have done last had he not been injured at Hell in a Cell last year, we were fairly sure that Cody would have won Royal Rumble in 2023 anyway. So they stuck to the plan that Vince McMahon came up with. So I mean credit to him for that because it was the plan made sense. Um so I mean had they not advertised Cody as soon as he turned up people would have said oh it's obvious he would have won as would have won as soon as Cody turned up and knew he was going to win because he was the only plausible winner. So I think we would have been in the same boat. But I remember many Royal Rumbles in the past where there was really only one, you know, conceivable or feasible or plausible or possible winner, like 2000, for instance. I mean, they made a joke of it, didn't they? The Rock made a joke of it that he was really the only person who could win. Um, because there was no one else in that, that match who every, anyone really thought had a chance. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I thought the match was really good, Kenny. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the different stories. I thought lots of people were enhanced by it. Uh, I thought Gunter did tremendously well. Um, we got the uh, Gunter versus Brock Lesnar square off, uh, which was what we desired before the match took place. Uh, there was only a little bit of um, interaction between... Uh, Gunter and Lesnar, because Lashley then came out, not surprisingly, um, and the camera left Gunter and Lesnar, went to Lashley's entrance, and then Lashley attacked Lesnar. Um, and um, and if and then uh, Lashley eliminated Lesnar with a clothesline, and then after that, Lesnar, Lesnar had a total meltdown at ringside. I mean, that was just hilarious, wasn't it, when he picked up those ring steps and just smashed them down on the announce table. And Michael Cole and Pat McAfee and Corey Graves just seemed genuinely terrified. It was as if they didn't know that was going to happen. And maybe maybe it wasn't planned. Maybe Lesnar just decided to go into business for himself on that one. But that was quite something to to, to observe. 
was the commentators fleeing from the enraged beast. So that was really funny. Do you think uh, Do you think Brock Lesnar's in with a chance in the alternative end of year awards for half of the year? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Possibly. But I mean, I, I love the fact that Lesnar was eliminated by Lashley. And then we got the Lesnar elimination face, which is a little bit like the Undertaker face at WrestleMania when someone kicks out of his tombstone. You know, we're going for the close-up and we've got those wild eyes. So he was tremendous and he looked genuinely enraged, furious, livid, seething that he'd been eliminated from this match. It's what we need in pro wrestling, Kenny. People selling the realism of things a little bit more. And Lesnar's leading the charge. He's setting the example. Young wrestlers, watch this man. Watch <laughs> and learn. So, yeah, I thought he was really good. Um, I thought Santos Escobar had a terrible night. He seemed to be uh, having trouble communicating with everyone. Uh, really, really bad night. Uh, Karrion Cross, I think, also had an awful night. No reaction at all. And then he was eliminated and uh, no one cared at all. So uh, that was two people who had a bad night. But there was a lot of people who had a really good night, I think, in the Rumble. Yeah. Um, obviously, Rey Mysterio didn't have a good night because he wasn't in it. And then Dominic Mysterio came out wearing Rey's mask. So that was really good. And the announcer speculated that maybe... Dominic and the Judgment Day had beaten Ray up backstage and um, didn't really elaborate too much on that. And we didn't, I think they hinted at it on Raw, didn't they? But did they come out and say, oh, you haven't seen Raw yet, have you, Kenny? Sorry. No, I've not. But uh, we're going to be talking <laughs> about that later in the week. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that was the storyline that um, that the Judgment Day had attacked Ray and, and that was the reason why he wasn't in the match. But it was a bit odd that they announced Ray and then there wasn't a substitute. Like Ray could have been announced and then someone else could have taken his place. We've seen that gimmick before, haven't we, in the Rumble? Yeah, there's the famous uh, 2004 Rumble where Mick Foley was the replacement for somebody who'd been battered backstage or something. So, but yeah, they could have done that for sure. I did love in commentary that they were calling Dominic ex-condom, <laughs> which was just, get that in a T-shirt. Corey Graves said Dominic's uncle Conan is afraid of him (laughs) that's a good one as well oh god it was just like there's another like at one point when uh, Seamus and McIntyre were going to do the the 10 beats of it's the Baldron isn't it Baldron I believe is how how you actually pronounce it or spell it and someone, I can't, it was it who said, we're going to have a double banger bros. And then Corey Graves said, I'd subscribe to that one. <laughs> I mean, this is just like spontaneous, just like just the banter was just some of the best banter I've ever heard on a wrestling show. Could have been the best banter I've ever heard on a wrestling show ever. I mean, it just was, they were just having a riot out there. Michael Cole is having the time of his life pod, eh, podcasting, announcing with these two and not having Vince in his ear, you know? So yeah. he's having a great, I mean, we also should talk about Logan Paul had a great night in the Rumble. He really yeah. had a, and, and, you know, that spot with him and Ricochet. Um, it, what I liked about that spot was they did something that it was, it, it kind of served every master. If you're someone who likes, stuff to make sense it's kind of you know they're trying to one-up each other if you just like mad stunts you get that as well 
you know, this wasn't them doing something where they were going to get eliminated. They were just showing off in the Rumble and uh, and it looked great. So good for them. And, and Ricochet got to have that moment, which is, is good because usually those moments get given to, you know, a bigger star with the celebrity guy. But Ricochet is someone who can do with a moment like that to help him, you know, hopefully get a bit further up the card. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it was Carmelo Hayes tweeted out that he was hoping for some royalties from it because Carmelo <laughs> Hayes and Ricochet did, it wasn't the same move, but it was a similar amazing sort of mid-ring collision spot in their World's Collide match last year. So, um, I mean, yeah, but yeah, they did like a double springboard in like a, into a clothesline. Um, and um yeah, it was a hell of a spot. It was replayed endlessly. People went wild for it. Um, and you know, Logan Paul, um, he was he, he left the ring. We thought he'd been eliminated when we got down to the final four, who were Cody, Theory, Gunter, and Rollins. Actually, it was five at that point because Logan Paul was still in. And then Logan Paul returned to the ring and eliminated Seth Rollins. And was booed, a buddy milked that heel response. You know, he he, he went with it. He went with, he's got he went with the flow. It seems inevitable to me, Kenny, Logan Paul, Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Yeah, feels like that's the feels like that's what they're gonna do with the the news that's come out that apparently Steve Austin has declined any any matches this year, but we'll get to that on Thursday. We can talk more about that, but it yeah, did. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Well, I was going to just quickly say, well, if there's nothing there that appeals to him or interests him, then he's making the right decision because at this point in his life, he should only be participating in storylines or creative that really, really, really moves him and really appeals to him. Um, otherwise, yeah. you know, what's the point? Because he, what he's doing is he's diluting his appeal to the audience. Um, you know, if he chooses to do it again, he should only do it when it's really tempting. Yeah, indeed. So Cody wins the Rumble, uh, you know, so, so that was really good. And up next, Finn, was the pitch black match, the Mountain Dew pitch black match, which, by the way, I, know, I don't know if I, maybe I'm just an idiot. I only realized on the day of the show that the drink is actually called pitch black. So it is a Mountain Dew pitch black drink. And so that so that it wasn't. I initially thought it was a pitch black match, and that was the new name of a gimmick match sponsored by Mountain Dew. I didn't realize the drink itself was called pitch black. So, um, you know, I mean, next year, Kenny, it needs to be the bar iron brew match, doesn't it? I mean, look, it couldn't be any worse than this. I mean, let's just talk about it, Finn. This was not received well at all. Sandra was actually at the show and she said it, it, it came across worse in the arena or the stadium than it did at home. Uh, Finn, I know this is a, a trying time for you. What did you <laughs> talk me through your thoughts of uh, Bray and Ellie Knight? Well, it only lasted just over five minutes, the match, incredibly. After nearly four months of hype. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, Corey Graves, uh, not Corey Graves, Michael Cole said... Prior to the match, for the first time in nearly two years, Bray, Bray Wyatt returns to action here tonight. We know that's not true. He wrestled Jinder on some house shows in December. So that was an outright lie. Mm-hmm. I'm calling it out. Um, 
I was aware that it was a drink. Um, I don't know whether that's on sale in this country. I don't really drink soft drinks anyway, so I wouldn't have seen it even if it was on sale over here. So, yeah, they mentioned it was no DQ, no count outs, anything goes. Uh, so they got in the ring and um, then we went to presumably it was ultraviolet light and they were wearing ultraviolet reactive paint or uh, why it was anyway, all over his body. He had these strange contact lenses in that reacted to the ultraviolet lights. Um, the ring ropes were uh, reacted to the ultraviolet light and... Uh, and LA Knight wore like uh, tights in, was it bright green? I think they were, weren't they? I mean, I just dread to think what the pictures are going to look like from this match because it, it looks so bad just watching it. So I can well believe that it was a worse viewing experience in the arena, in the stadium, you know, in the Alamo Dome than it was on TV because it was a poor viewing experience for us watching on the network or Peacock or whatever. So, yeah, it was it was a, a big disappointment uh, on every level and um, just felt, you know, really betrayed by the whole thing, Kenny, to be honest with you. Um, and I was hoping to find some humour in it, some un unintentional amusement. Um, but I just felt, you know, just really down and defeated and, yeah, just let down really terribly by WWE, by this match. Um, I have no idea what they were seeking to achieve. Bray Wyatt is still a supernatural being who refuses to sell candlestick shots. Um, the match really had very little back and forth. It actually did seem like it was getting going when Knight used the candlestick and then Wyatt hit Sister Abigail and it was over. One, two, three. I think it was, was it five minutes and five seconds? Four seconds, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then afterwards, uh, Wyatt pursued Knight uh, through the crowd. Um, Knight struck uh, Wyatt with candlesticks, which Wyatt no sold. And then uh, Wyatt gave Chase up onto like a stage. Um, and then Uncle Howdy, and obviously was, there was no explanation as to who Uncle Howdy is or why he's there. There was no answers to anything. Um, and then Uncle Howdy supposedly dived on tonight and all these pyrotechnics went off to make it look like the stage blew up. But as we, as I saw and you probably saw and others probably saw, there's phone footage online of Uncle Howdy diving on tonight, doesn't make contact with him, night rolls out of the way and the whole thing looks ludicrous, like even more ludicrous than it did on the official version on the network. Um so yeah, um I think Knight's I think Knight is talented enough to recover from this. Um, but I don't know whether I, I don't really see any value in Bray Wyatt now. I just feel like I just don't want to see him again in the ring. I just not interested. I'm not interested in his promos, I'm not interested in his segments, I'm certainly not interested in his matches. Um <laughs> I just feel massively betrayed by this match. And I'm assuming that he must have had a hand in the layout of it because I think he's at a point in his career now where he will have input in what he does. I can't imagine that all of this is just foisted upon him and he's told this is what's going to happen. There must be some, he must have some involvement in how these matches 
um, are laid out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and this was just garbage, Kenny, basically, and not even funny. You know, we've seen lots of dreadful matches in the past that we can find, you know, unintentionally hilarious in some way. Mm-hmm. This was just a, a, a total waste of our lives. And I'm it not was... just talking about the, the five-minute match on the night. I'm talking about all the TV time and creative energy and effort that was went into promoting it, dating back to Extreme Rules. Yeah, this this was absolute steaming hot garbage. It was awful. And it, you're right, well, there was no there was no humour to it, there was nothing funny. And the biggest takeaway, I mean, I, I think Elliot Knight will be fine. I'm with you. I think he's, you know, as long as he's not around Bray Wyatt, I think he'll be okay. But, you know, Bray Wyatt is supposed to be one of the top stars on SmackDown. So now it's kind of like, you're almost worried who's going to get put with him. Yeah. Who's going to get put in this no-win situation because everybody that he works with, he ruins. Or, you know, and it's like these matches do nothing but seem to enhance what Wyndham Rotunda in his brain thinks that Bray Wyatt should be. But I think Bray Wyatt would be a great character for horror movies, for maybe comics and stuff, but they have yet to, in the last five years, figure out a way to make him a good wrestler, to make him work in a wrestling environment. And, you know, he's given all this creative freedom with his promos, but they're bad. You know, you can give me creative freedom to be shit at promos as well. <laughs> it's not a talent. Yeah, I mean, what? so what did it all mean? He's been banging on for weeks, for months. Not weeks, months. And I'm I'm none the wiser. Because here's the thing. So, so, I, so what we're meant to believe is that Bray Wyatt came back to be the real Bray Wyatt. Yeah. But then Uncle Howdy, who... We don't know who that is or why they're his uncle um, has come to tell him that he needs to be the old fiend. That he doesn't want to be the fiend. But then he's becoming Firefly Funhouse Bray to tell his opponents that they're, you know, going to get get something they don't want. And now he's turned up as a another version of Bray Wyatt, which is another horror version that beats people up and doesn't sell anything. Yeah. And, um, you know. I mean, do you know what, though? I tell you this. Here's what I'd love to see. If there was a way that AEW and WWE could work together for one match, I want to see the Young Bucks against Bray Wyatt and Uncle Howdy. <laughs> Show me that match. I'd love to see how that's going to play out. Uh, because the Young Bucks can just bump around with the sledgehammer shots and all that, and then they can hit, you know, suicidas onto Bray Wyatt, and he can just stand there like... You know, yeah. a gust of wind has barely touched them. That's it. They can just bounce off him. <laughs> and then Uncle Howdy, he does the big jump onto the trampoline or jump onto the mattress thing and he fucking misses him by a country mile. Ugh, it's just... It's crap. It, I mean, I mean we, we've received no explanation as to why Uncle Howdy attacked Bray Wyatt. Nope. And this is the thing, it's like we need this needs to make sense on some level. There needs to be it can't just be drivelous, it can't just be mystifying and bewildering. It's gotta have some thread here that connects it all. And if it doesn't, then it's just a, it's a series of 
random encounters and segments and um you know people just rambling on like we are now on this podcast now actually i don't think we are at this moment in time we sometimes we do but i don't think we're doing that at the moment nope rambling on it doesn't make any sense and it might make sense to him you know and and, you know i blame paul levesque for this he's the he's the man in charge now and we said last week you know this has been his creation he re-signed windham rotunda he brought him back and he gave him that amazing entr- entrance at Extreme Rules and everyone was really excited. And he's been in charge from start to finish on this version of Wyatt. Um, you know, and the upshot was a match that was just rotten, just absolutely dire because it, it was in bereft of entertainment value. Well, just bar- it was just barren. A barren match, a wasteland of a match. That's what he needs to call it. Bray Wyatt could call it the, the wasteland match. Oh, God, are we going to get the ascension back again? <laughs> um, I'll say this one last thing before we move on, because I think it's just worth worthwhile saying. Obviously, we you know we always have a laugh with Sondra because she hates the Undertaker and all that jazz. And I said this to her on Patreon, and I think it's worth just repeating here, where the reason that the Undertaker worked as a character is because even though he was into the spooky stuff and the supernatural stuff it was most of the time fairly straightforward you know he was doing stuff for the creatures of the night and they gave him the power to be able to get up from these things and all that and then as yeah. time went on he evolved and he you know even look, an undertaker and kane's a perfect example undertaker worked with kane from uh october 97 through to for about a year solid they were in t- intertwined with each other and Kane was then a top star for the next four years out of working with him. Whereas Bray Wyatt, everything's overcomplicated, nothing ever makes sense, and anyone he ever works with comes out of it way worse off than they did going in. Yeah, agreed. But he sells merch, so let him sell merch. But it's you know, it's like Elias. I don't mind Elias doing a concert, I just don't want to see him wrestle. So yeah. But then, you know, why is Bray Wyatt going to get paid millions of dollars like he does? But you know what? You talk about uh, MGF has the best contract in wrestling. Bray Wyatt has the best contract in wrestling. He sold them all on this bullshit. Yeah, he's done a good job of that, yeah. Done a so. good. I mean, I, I saw a little clip of him at the uh, Survivor Post uh, Royal Rumble press conference. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, oh, well, you've got to take risks. And Well, not really. You know, I mean... <laughs> You know, it's like, it's like everything can be, uh, oh, it's an experimental approach to pro wrestling. But if it's got no entertainment value, then it's not success. It's a failure. You know, it's like Vince Russo saying, oh, it was a great idea to put the world title in WCW on David Arquette no one saw it coming. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no one wanted to see that happen. People hated it. You know, and just because it's a surprise, it doesn't mean it's something you should do. You know, so... You know, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I gave, I had a lot of time for Wyatt, and I, as people will have heard, you know, I just feel like I've, I'm happy I didn't spend more time writing about it in the magazine because I was like thinking, mm, should I do something on this? I was like, well, I don't really know where it's going yet. Um, so I'm going to wait until I know where it's going before I pass comment on it. I don't, I don't even really know how to write this up. Because it makes so little sense and failed on every level. I can't wait to see the write-up to that. 
I'm very excited. Uh, listen, let's move on because the crowd um, or the, the the audience at home in the in the stadium, um, you know, I don't think they were excited for Bianca Belair versus Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's title before, but I think after the, the Bray Wyatt thing, they were even less interested. And um, this was a seven and a half minute match that was utterly forgettable. You know, I don't think... Do you think, Finn, that you would ever watch this match again? No. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I don't need to continue. Uh, and a Hold on a second. That's not true, is it? I'm going to have to watch it again because I have to watch these things twice to do the write-up. But voluntarily, no, I wouldn't watch it a second time. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's no way you would watch this if you didn't have to watch it again to write it. No. Up. There's no way. No. Um, no, it was really clunky. I mean, Bianca just looked bored. I mean, it was a pr- dreadful performance from her. Alexa just had no heat. I mean, this was just this was just a total flop uh, 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 as a match. Um, and then the post, the thing is, the post match, you know, so uh, Bliss goes for Sister Abigail. Bianca changes it into a KOD and gets the win. And then yeah. afterwards, we get another video from Uncle Howdy and all that. Basically, you know getting Alexa Bliss to become part of the crew again. And I just think, oh, not another. I mean, then it's like, do we need to again be concerned that Alexa Bliss is going to be in the women's division with all this rubbish? You know, it's just, it's not, I mean, I I don't know why they they all think it's so entertaining. It's just, it's not, it's rubbish. It isn't. You've got to look on the bright side here. A reunion between Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt means that they'll have to appear together or might appear together. So they'll only ruin one segment or one match on the card. That's true. Hopefully, hopefully that's how it plays out. Um, Let's talk about the women's Royal Rumble next, um, which I thought was uh, actually my favorite women's Rumble since the first one. I thought they did a really good job in this by having, you know, like damage control in there for a while. They had Roxanne Perez coming in. They had a few surprises. Asuka came back with her brand new look. Piper Nevin got her name back. Um, and yeah, I thought they did a really good job of uh, of, of getting everybody f- featured. Rhea Ripley wins in the end. Yeah, I was very happy with this one. What did you think of this uh, Rumble match? Yeah, I mean, it was. I thought some of it was kind of flat. Um, probably around the time uh, Natalia came out, it just felt like no one really cared. And I'm not blaming this on Natalia. Um, you know, this is, it was just, it just felt like the, it was like a a match just sort of like sagged a bit, um, you know, like 15 minutes in or so. Um, I mean, there was, you know, I mean, Michael Cole had a great line. Uh, B-Fab came in and she was only in the match for 36 seconds. And Michael Cole said, she still lasted longer than top dollar probably would have (laughs) <laughs> he's been ripping top dollar ever since dollar did that your know, bungled dive back in was it Dece- was it early december you know mm. he did that completely screwed up dive cole has just been knocking him on commentary ever since so that was really funny um i mean diana brooke just she made a complete mess of something with rhea ripley and rhea ripley reacted angrily to that one and like he went back and did it again. You can see Rhea was really miffed. This was her big night, you know, and Dana was blowing it for her. Um, Roxanne Perez did really well from NXT, NXT Women's Champion. 
I mean, she lit up the match. I mean, I know she's from uh, Texas, so that obviously helped. Um, but she had a she had a really good performance in the match, and people were really into her. And she was one of the big winners of the night. To me, the big winners were obviously Rhea, who obviously won. I think Raquel Rodriguez did well, and I think she's going to win Elimination Chamber. So I thought she did really well here. Um, and also Damage Control as well. I feel, feel like they really, I think they might have restored a lot of faith in themselves. I think people would have seen them as a as a proper heel act who had some heat again and mattered because they just feel like they've been just drifting, meandering, just not really doing anything that's that's that has really mattered in WWE for ooh, probably the best part of two months. So I think it was a comeback night for Damage Control, I like the way they were booked to eliminate lots of people and work together. Uh, Becky Lynch did well also. I mean, she was the one who really lifted the crowd after that sort of lull. Um, Zia Lee actually did well also, Kenny. I mean, I don't think she's ever going to make it in WWE, but she looked good in everything she did. Um, great to see uh, Asuka back uh, with new makeup, a new entrance. Um, she didn't really do as much as I thought she would have done in the match. She wasn't. In, she sort of seemed anonymous for long periods of time. But she had a little spots and people, I think, were really excited to see her return. She got to and be involved I, in the finish. She got to be the kind of catalyst of causing Liv Morgan to to lose with a mist. So she was, uh, in the end, she was one of the people you remember because of that end scene that she was involved in. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, she did well. I thought Zoe Stark uh, also looked really good in uh, a short burst of offence. Uh, no Kelly Kelly. No Tori Wilson, so that was a bonus as well. Um, Chelsea Green lasted five seconds. Rhea Ripley flung her to the floor. And uh, on commentary, Corey said, I didn't even have a chance to make fun of her husband, who is, of course, Matt Cardona, <laughs> former Zack Ryder. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought Michelle McCool actually looked pretty good. Uh, she came in from the crowd. I thought that was a nice little gimmick that they did there. Uh, that reminded me of when Jerry Lawler left the commentary desk and entered the rumble and then was, I can't remember who it was who eliminated, but he was eliminated almost immediately and then went back to the desk. Kind of reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, someone, I mean, there was just parts of this where on commentary, they were just, they were just, they were just like, it was so funny. I mean, Michael Cole said, do you think Booker T knows who Indy Hartwell is? So like what Booker commentates on NXT every week. It's just like, it was like a bunch of guys sitting there watching it in front of the TVs and in a sense, almost making fun of parts of it. But I don't think they were doing it in a disrespectful way because we know you can make fun of pro wrestling and not be disrespectful towards it. It's a fine line, but it is possible. We all know this as fans. If someone's not a fan and they're making fun of pro wrestling, they're doing it in a disrespectful way. And that's very different. We all know that. Um, And we had uh, Shotzi return. And as soon as she turned up, I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen here? But I don't think she I don't think she suffered any injuries or injured anyone else. Uh, Nia Jax at number 30, Kenny. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, uh, the the unvaccinated warrior was back. Hilariously, everyone just she united. She united everyone against her and she was <laughs> thrown out. So that was really funny. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, I thought it was really good, actually. And Rhea was everyone's pick or most people's pick to win. And it was the right decision, I think, making her the winner because she feels to me like she's ready to become champ at WrestleMania and she's ready for a big push. I mean, she would have possibly won Money in the Bank last year had she not been injured, possibly. Yeah, I think she probably she may have. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's yeah. I I think I think overall though, I mean, I know that you I know what you mean about there being certain flat bits, but I do think that for for the women, I think a lot of the rumbles have been quite clunky and difficult in the past. But I think we should give them one bit of credit: is they didn't what they didn't do in this rumble that they've done with all the other female rumbles is they've had like seven or eight or nine nostalgia people in it every time. Yeah, and they didn't do that this time. They only had, you know, Michelle McCool was the only sort of oldie that was in there. And she's not even old, but you know, she, you know what I mean? She was around ages ago. Yeah. And the other surprise, they concentrated on it being Asuka back, Piper Niven back, Nia Jax is a one-off, uh, Roxanne Press from NXT, so, and Zoe Stark. So I think the, the I, I was really happy with how they, in both Rumbles actually, set things up potentially. They let people, you know, Piper Nevin coming back in the Rumble was really good for her. Tamina had a state-off with her. Tamina loves a state-off thing. <laughs> just hopes that somebody's going to care with one of these state-offs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Rhea wins, so we'll, we'll we'll talk about her on Power Slam and her choice that she's made, because I have seen that. Um, how would you rate Finn? Because you're a big fan of music. Man, everybody likes music. But you know, you play the guitar, you, 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 you like bands and stuff, so give me a rating out of 10 for Hardy. And their performance yeah. was sold out. Well, I, I didn't see it because on the replay show, and it's been removed. Oh, well, consider yourself uh, spared. I understand that it wasn't a particularly good performance. And there's reports floating around out there saying that WWE felt like he, you know, he didn't really deliver his best performance on the night. I mean, how many songs did he do? Just one. Just the but, one number, right, okay. But he did it in the ring. So they had they they'd taken the ropes off the ring 
and basically get it's like you know these people in this arena have been here for three and a half hours and they're ready for this main event they do not want to see this country singer who nobody knows who he is um so yeah but anyway main event time roman reigns kevin owens to the undisputed WWE universal title now they was did the performance lousy kenny was it was it a rotten performance it was just dull was it, it was just a dull performance not memorable not exciting um he just looked like head rock light um, which is not what you—I mean, not what you want to look like, to be honest. You don't want to—you don't <laughs> want to look like a Poundland kid rock. You know what I mean? That's probably the take me go out the back and take the gun out. You know what I mean? If that's where you get to. But um, anyway, uh, they did—they <laughs> did do a segment on the pre-show, which I do think they should have had on the main pay-per-view, which was Kevin uh, Roman Reigns backstage with the Bloodline, tell giving them the orders for the night. He said, "Usos, want you to make sure everyone's taken care of tonight. Stay back here." Sammy, you're coming with me to the ring tonight. I want you by my side the whole night. Yeah. It should have been on the main show. Uh, but, you know, maybe they did it because the Rumble was open in the pay-per-view, so they decided to put it in the pre-show so that people would hopefully see it. So let's split it in two. Let's talk about the match first with Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens before we talk about the post-match situation. So Zayn uh, did end up uh, giving Roman Reigns the chair, um, there was lots of twists and turns in the match, but Roman Reigns defeated Kevin Owens in just under 20 minutes. What did you make of the match itself? I thought it was slow at the beginning. Um, I think the problem they had was was that people didn't really believe that Kevin Owens could win. So it took a long time for them to, for their suspension of disbelief to kick in. So they had to do a lot before anyone would really respond to the near falls and entertain the idea that, yes, Owens might pin uh, the tribal chief. Uh, we knew, obviously, Sami Zayn was at ringside, and I think people sensed that something might happen after the match. I wasn't expecting the big angle to take place after the match. I thought it was going to take place on Raw. I think I said that last week, or possibly on SmackDown. Uh, but they did it here. So um, so there was those two things really working against them in the beginning. But I thought they really worked very hard. And the match was well put together. Uh, there was actually a rare blown spot from Kevin Owens. He kind of did this sort of, tried to do a, like turn around on the ropes and lost his footing and fell on Roman Reigns and then went back and did the move again, like they do. And so that was that was odd to see Kevin Owens, you know, make a mess or something in the ring. Um, there was a ref bump. Um, Owens hit the uh, pop-up powerbomb, but there was a no referee to count. At this point, the audience was energised. The audience had been dragged in. The audience was convinced or persuaded that maybe, maybe, just maybe, Kevin Owens might score the win over Roman Reigns. Um, so, um, so yeah, he hit the power, power, pop-up powerbomb, but there was no referee to count the fall. Reigns then hit a low blow and ordered Sami Zayn to pass him a chair. Uh, Sammy did so, but not before he hesitated first. And Paul Heyman was at ringside. He was like, what are you doing? Roman Reigns is exasperated. You know, why haven't you passed me the chair immediately? There was some confusion as to where the chair was at ringside. So, I mean, that was that was a, quite an interesting development there. Um, so then, uh, so Reigns, yeah, so Reigns at the... Uh, so Owens then hit a stunner for a near fall. 
uh, Reigns kicked out of, and then Owens kicked out of Reigns' spear. Um, at ringside, Zayn's advised Owens to stay down, stay down. Um, Reigns then speared Owens through the barricade and then slammed him back first twice. Well, not slammed him, kind of shoved him, rammed him twice, twice into the ring steps. Quite a nasty looking bump. But fortunately, you know, they knew what they were doing and Owen, back of Owens' head did not strike the steps. So I think it was fairly safe or as safe as it could have been. Now, at this point, there was no ha-ha laughing from the audience. They were genuinely believed that Kevin Owens was hurt. Mm-hmm. And this had, you know, you know, suspension of disbelief was in full effect here. You know, there was no like, ha-ha-ha, it's pro wrestling. You know, what a joke this is. People were absorbed by what they were witnessing. And Owens' cell job was so convincing, but the beating was so ferocious that it just added up to this sort of package of, wow, this guy might seriously be injured. Um, And then Reigns threw Owens back into the ring and hit one more spear for the pin, which absolutely had to be the finish because it would have been absurd if Owens had kicked out after he'd absorbed so much punishment. So it was a convincing, decisive victory by Reigns. Um, But I think Owens was protected still. Um, And I think really the loss was... The loss was obviously inevitable and was um, was required to take us where we went in the post-match. And that was when the big angle occurred, which, as I said, I didn't think was going to happen here, but it did. Indeed, we saw the Usos and Source Code in the ring with Roman and Sammy. Jay wanted to give Sammy the lay to put over his neck, put around his neck, and Reigns stopped him. They wanted to, he wanted him to beat up Owens more first. So Kevin Owens just gets absolutely battered and... You know, he's getting handcuffed to the the ropes. He's getting a chair over his head. He's getting super kicks. He's just getting everything done to him. And it's all culminating in Roman Reigns with a chair. He's about to wallop uh, Kevin Owens after kind of, you know, he's, he's giving him all this trash talk. And Sami Zayn steps in front of Roman. He's saying, you don't need to do this. This is beneath you. Please don't do this. And then Reigns is like, yeah, you're right. I don't need to do this. You can do it. And he gives Zayn the chair, and the fans are just going mental. They're chatting Sammy, and they're, you know, he's teasing what he's going to do. And then in the end, Roman Reigns gets smacked in the back with a chair by Sammy Zayn. And uh, that's the moment Sammy Zayn's saying sorry. Um, and then Solo Sokoa and Jimmy Uso are beating up Sammy Zayn. Uh, along with Roman Reigns, but Jay Uso just stands there, and when it comes to his turn, Roman wants Jay to beat up uh, Sammy. Jay is conflicted. And then in the twist that we didn't see coming, Finn, Jay Uso walks out on the bloodline and refuses to participate in the beatdown of Sami Zayn. I mean, this was excellent. World-class stuff. Yeah, it was. I mean, this will be remembered and talked about for many, many years to come. And um, it was given so much time. It, re- it needed the time that, it, that was allocated to it. Um, and um, I mean, I think in some ways you sort of wish that the blade was allowed still. And I think if there'd been blood, I think it would have been, it would have made more of an impact. I think we would have believed more if they both uh, bled heavily in this angle so that is one of the drawbacks of the you know no blade policy in WWE. I think 
than most people. I'm, you know, I'm not really a fan of excessive blading, but I think there are times when it absolutely enhances an angle or a match, and it would have done so here, no, no doubt in my mind. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was really well done. I mean, as you said, Jimmy and Jay beat down KO. Solo joined in. Uh, Paul Heyman, I think, provided the handcuffs, and they handcuffed Owens to the top rope. Uh, Reigns was about to strike Owens with the chair when Zinn stopped him. This is beneath you. You don't need to do this, said Sammy to Roman. Uh, you know, it doesn't need to go any further. He's done, said Zane. And then Reigns passed the chair to Zane and said, pull the trigger. And Zane had looked very uncomfortable throughout the beating. You know, he was not, um, you know, he was, he was, he was like, this is, you know, he wasn't saying anything, but he did really good with his body languages and with his expressions, could be communicating the message that he did not approve of any of this, you know, but because he was part of the bloodline or associated with the bloodline, the honorary member of the bloodline, he had to sort of bear witness to it and not halt it um, until the time came for him to, under Roman Reigns' instructions, to whack the defenceless Owens with a chair and instead he struck um, Roman and the camera, of course, was perfectly placed to capture Reigns' response to the chair shot from Zane, and he sold it brilliantly. And then, as you said, it was Jimmy who laid in first to Sammy, then Solo got stuck in, and Jay's there, and he's conflicted. He's like, what's going on here? You know, he was going through that same roller coaster of emotions that Zane had when he was observing Kevin Owens take a beating and um, you know Jay then just walked off refused to have anything to do with it we should also mention as well that Reigns ripped off Sami Zayn's honorary Oost t-shirt so he's no longer on team bloodline anymore um, there was also so it was also Jay left and then the bloodline left and that was the show well, there was also a great bit at the end that I didn't catch when I first watched it, and it's worth probably looking out for it, Finn, when you rewatch it. There's a bit right at the end after Jay's walked out, and Roman Reigns, you can hear him saying to Solo Sokoa, we go to war now, in reference to Jay. And Solo Sokoa looks a bit... You know, he's not he's not giving anything... Solo Sokoa doesn't give anything away in his face, but he also gives a lot away in his face. Yeah. Which is a skill. But you can't really teach people. So when you see that clip at the end, Solo Sokoa looks conflicted at what's going on. Because, you know, it's his, it's his, you know, the Usos are his brothers, Roman's his cousin. Um, so some interesting dynamics there. But uh, yeah, this was just 10 out of 10. Yeah, I mean, and people were furious. People were really angry, yeah. you know, and had this taken place 40 years ago, they would have had to have done it in a cage because people would have been leaping the rail to try and beat the beat the heels up. Mm-hmm. They would have it would have been like you know the big turn in 1980, Ollie Anderson and Dusty. It would they would have needed a cage to protect the heels from the fans because the fans would have been so enraged um, that they would have been like trying to beat the crap out of the heels. Um, but I mean, yeah, this obviously that that doesn't or happens very seldom now, which is good. Obviously, that shouldn't happen. Um, but people were proper mad. This wasn't like ha 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 pro wrestling's, you know, this silly frivolous form of entertainment. This to people in the arena, you know, felt real. And that's when pro wrestling succeeds. 
when suspension of disbelief has totally taken over and you are engrossed by what is unfolding before you. So I thought it was, I think this was one of the best angles I've ever seen. Uh, it was very, very well done. Um, and and what's more, I can't wait for the next chapter in this saga. You know, Attitude Era-esque. This used to happen often, didn't it, on pay-per-views, Kenny? The yeah. pay-per-view with it would end. You're like, oh, my God, I've got to tune into Raw tomorrow night to see the next, you know, exciting episode in this saga, in this um, soap opera. So, um, yeah, I, I agree, 10 out of 10. Um, first rate. I saw someone tweet out about this, and I think it's a valid point where they said, you know, this bloodline storyline is proof that WWE can do this kind of storytelling, and we should see more, better stuff more often. You can't do you can't do this all the time, but they no. can do more, and I think that's why it's important that we kind of take them to task sometimes when they're doing stuff that is bad because they're capable of so much better, as we can see by what they're doing here. So. Uh, hopefully we get more of of this storyline at this level. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Obviously, Elimination Chamber coming up, and then WrestleMania. So lots more uh, to come. Uh, but listen, that is all the time we've got for today. We will talk about Raw on Thursday for Power Slam, and we'll also talk about some of the news and other stuff that's going on. So, Finn, I hope that you, uh, I hope in between rewatching the Royal Rumble, you get a little bit of downtime to yourself. A little bit. Of, you got to switch the brain off for a little while. To relax. Yeah, just a little while. Yeah, just a little. I'm actually starting the um, the um, Royal Rumble right up as soon as we finish this recording, Kenny. There you go. He is starting, folks. The first big, big pay per view review in Inside the Ropes Magazine in 2023 from F. Martin. So do go to InsideTheRopesMagazine.com where you can pre-order. Uh, we need so you can uh, order the current issue, which is out, which is obviously the Sami Zayn cover which is issue 20 is it nine? Nine. 29 with Sami Zayn on the front uh, and issue 30 will be available for pre-order fairly soon um, I got a chance to speak to Ken Shamrock for the next issue which was pretty interesting to speak to him and um, delve into a little bit of uh, the interesting story about him coming into WWF and being backstage at Montreal um, to, and I think what's interesting about his perspective is he had no idea, you know, he had no idea about what was going on. And kind of from his point of view, coming from a legit background, not really understanding why all this stuff was happening um with uh with the screw job. But there's lots of lots of stuff there for you to read, so please do check that out. And patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes is where you can support us, get more podcasts, get fins, what else is going down, get the retro pay-per-view reviews, and much, much more. And it allows us to keep doing these podcasts. So I hope that you will consider supporting us if you can yes indeed and, and ken shamrock was big supporter of bret hart bret hart had been involved in his training mm-hmm. so i mean that must have been a very he must have been very conflicted after that had happened and bret quit because yeah. you know they were i'm not sure how close they were but i think bret had been involved in his training and there was definitely i think a mutual respect there between them so that must have been tough for him after the, the double cross had happened you know to, to just like Oh no, he's gone. He was he was a guy who was really helped me out, and now the company's just done this to him. That must have been yeah, must have been a lot of soul searching going on, you know, in, at that time in the uh, in the Shamrock camp after the double cross happened. Yeah, it's very it's interesting. It's interesting to to read. So hopefully uh, everyone will enjoy it. So uh, thank you very much, everyone, for all your support, and we'll talk to you soon.
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.